podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome to the Whistleblowers podcast. We've just finished recording uh, a belting episode, Grit. It really was. Yeah. Wow. What did we talk about? I didn't want to leave. No, but you have to in a minute because we're about to, to lock up the building. Yeah. Uh, brilliant bit on cult players. Covered some yes. good ground in that, my Cult favourite. players at the very end of the episode as well. So, I mean, either fast forward it or um, just do, please do stick around. We get we, stuck into silver at Everton. Give yeah. them a good dressing down, even though you have a real soft spot for him. <laughs> yeah, it turns out I'm, you know, not sexually attracted to him, but... Um, not, not sexually attracted exactly, to him. Exactly, not, not sexually attracted to him. Uh, yeah, I didn't think that would happen tonight. Or any night, but it did, and here we are. Uh, also, we heard from Lloyd Griffith, the Soccer AM's Lloyd Griffith, who is also a Grimsby fan. I don't know if you knew that. No. <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently he is. So uh, we'll, we'll hear from him later on. Wonderful. Uh, if, Thanks, if Lloyd. If I pick up the phone, that is. Ugh. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. All right, well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, yeah. Here it is. Good luck. Right, Grits, I want to start with um, Everton this week. Yeah. Uh, I think we've talked about him a few times over the last couple of months. Um I mean, generally, what are your thoughts on Everson so far? I mean, when Marcus Silva came in, there was a big hoo-ha about him, a lot of uh, a lot of sort of positive energy he brought with him, given his, his um, what, initial form at uh, Watford. But again, like Watford, it seems to have just dissipated. And what happened at the weekend, the 3-1 loss at home to Wolves, where they've shown that they absolutely cannot defend set pieces, and he doesn't seem to be able to learn from that. Mm. What, what do you make of the whole thing at the moment? They've just got a bit of a soft underbelly, haven't they? They don't seem to be able to see it out and also to be the best of that pack you've got to be kind of firing on all cylinders and they're not and Wolves are a perfect example because Wolves are perhaps rivals to them you know for that position because even though they're a newly promoted team they're kind of a false one aren't they yeah how much of that I mean we'll get back to Everton in a second but how much of the Wolves thing is because they are to an extent an unknown quantity I mean we, we all know they're players now but I always think and you'll know this more than I do but when you play against someone I think you need to play against them two three four times to really get their game and Wolves are playing against a lot of teams for the first time. Is that, is that an element yeah. at all, or is the coaching and the, and the scouting so much now that that negates it? No, definitely a factor. Definitely a factor. These guys coming in, they're obviously at the level uh, of Premier League players, but also that's kind of it's the best of the rest position they're going for, aren't they? Yeah. How many of those Wolves players would get in one of the top four, five mm. teams? You know, It's looking at it from that perspective. How many Whereas, would? How many would? Well... Neves? Yeah, Neves maybe. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's some handy players there, but Moutinho? again, they wouldn't... Yeah, Moutinho, but again, he's probably you know in the wrong side of age-wise. Yeah, I think yeah. um, you look at Everton, though, and you probably pick out some more. Like, you know, Sigurdsson, yep. uh, Richarlison's been brilliant. Uh, he's um, a, I think he's Diagne, a top player, yeah. Richarlison. So they've got some they've got some quality there, but then, you know, things haven't come from them. I don't, I don't think it's a panic button thing yet. I think just... Uh, no. Because they've only won three of the last twelve, of they're the they're the poor form team in yeah, that yeah. position, and they're the ones easy to it's easy to kind of shine them well, shine the light on them at the minute. Yeah, but so they've got good players. I don't, I don't think anyone's arguing against that. But again, at the weekend, it was set pieces, and any manager we said this before on the podcast. But any manager, the least you expect from a team, a professional team of footballers, mm. is to be organised, right? And at a top level, you expect them to be organised on set pieces. And yet, for some reason, happened at Watford as well, now it's happening at Everton, they cannot seem to do it, that they don't know how they're marking, zonally or man. 
Richarlison's getting lost for the first one. It just seems like a bit of a disaster to me. So I'm wondering, is this a blind spot for, for um, Marcus Silva? It's got to be, isn't it? I mean, it's the one thing that you do as a professional footballer, where good managers, particularly if you're in a team where the margins are so small, that you have to squeeze every drop out of every game. So you just do set pieces, and we do them for hours and hours on end. Would you do them for days on end? Yeah, well, you would do them every day. But as I approached a match day, you would probably bring in an element of how they would line up against you. Yeah. You would do your own set pieces, but you would just do this kind of relentless defending. And I, I remember hearing Paul Merson talking about it on uh, on a podcast once, and he was saying, like, you know, the waves of attack that they would have at Arsenal and that back four, which was just, you know, obviously yeah, yeah. a real trademark of that side, but they just wouldn't concede. And it wouldn't be so hard to beat and they'd be so well drilled. Uh, I know that's slightly different to set pieces, but it isn't because the training ground is the place where you do that. And there is a kind of, there's a responsibility you have to take on yourself uh, and it's horrible. Yeah. I hated it. I hated I always had to come back because so I was told. You're a big lad. So always you had to mark. Defender. And you would be marking some defender that would just be running at you under Mel and I was trying to, you know, trying to neck past you, guy trying to block you and stuff. But it's a discipline and it really is a... And at that level, it's kind of criminal because yeah. there's so much at stake. So would you... You've got a game on the Saturday, let's say the Thursday or the Friday beforehand, you you are specifically talking about the opposition from yeah. set pieces. So would they say to you, right, Grits, you're Mark and Zonal, or Grits, your guy's number 10, you yeah. follow him, stick to him, like shit to a blanket yeah, stay, yeah, yeah. stay on him is that, is that what they yeah, do or well, would they be more free with it what you would do is you would just say this is how we're lining up and then you would play against your reserves so the reserves would come up and take corners against you and you would just pick them up as Roll if they were the, as if they were Alan Shearer <laughs> yeah pretty much that sort of thing but um God, yeah it, it, it is something that Silva clearly has neglected and, and it, it doesn't take a lot I mean I don't know who the defence coach is I don't know who that is there because I don't, I don't know what Ferguson's role is, but um, there's a few ones there that you think that would probably have been able to highlight that from. Because let's not put it all on silver. There's a no, whole no, coaching staff not. and the players themselves should be but, but it's, but held to account. But he would, presumably, he would be the one appointing the defensive coach, right? So he does yeah. have agency over the whole thing. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You just Someone should be kicking asses at half is, is there any time. element... Am I looking at this too much? Too much? Is, is there any element of it being that he is this sort of young, sexy coach who's, who's come oh, from abroad? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah, no, just... Can I give a couple a minute, of things actually? tonight, yeah. <laughs> it's hot in this room. <laughs> it really is. Um, is he the young sort of... Fashionable is a better word than sexy, but are you oh, sexy as well? Young, fashionable, sexy, sexy coach. Is there anything else you do? Is he, is he coming in and is he, is he just not bothered about? Is, is, he, is he above it? Does he, no, does he feel like he's, he's, more, he's playing more attractive football and he, he can... He can sort of shirk the responsibilities. Well, if bit. he is, he, then that's really naive, isn't it? And I probably that's, that's probably an oversimplification, isn't it? I th- yeah. I'd say that I know that we're doing it just to kind of raise points, but uh, yeah, you've got to in the Premier League. That's one thing that um, Roy Hodgson's brilliant at, and we'll come on to them in a minute. And just the way that Palace are very, very well organised, and you wouldn't say necessarily those players are better than Everton's players. Okay, so what, so what's Hodgson doing? That so Silver isn't. Hodgson uh, what has, he, has his players well drilled. They all know what they're doing on the pitch, and they all know in both boxes because they're not going to score a lot of goals. And hopefully that will change with you know bringing Batshuayi in. But they just know what they're doing, and they've got yeah. the the well disciplined. And there's a couple of leaders on the pitch that kind of do it. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe haven't haven't got a natural leader. Characters there. in there that can yeah. pick you up. Well, it's like the thing. I mean, we're recording this on uh, Monday, the day after the Super Bowl, where the Patriots have won, and Bill Belichick, the Patriots yeah. coaches, his whole philosophy is do your job, know your job, and yeah. do that job. And if you all do that, then together as a team we can win. Yeah, and similar sort of thing to Hodgson, perhaps. Um, but talking about 
Marcus Silva's blind spot. Uh, what managers? What other managers can you can you remember or that you know of that had mm. clearly defined blind spots where where, the, where no one else. Everyone else in the stadium or everyone else on TV can see what the problem is week after week, but the only person who actually can do anything about it can't see the issue. It's sometimes with individual players or like even just back to, I, I used to love Ozzy Ardiles' Spurs team. That was hilarious. Or Kevin Keegan's team, the, kind of the, the hallmarks of them. Or some managers that put so, too much faith and stock in one specific player. Right. You know, and, and you just think, yeah, that's not the guy to... Build your, mm. you know, build your team around. I don't know who you, who did you have? I've got, I've got a couple. I think that um, Wenger for years just, and they're still refusing to do it. Really, that they were crying, crying out for like a steely midfielder and a steely centre back, and they just kept on buying these sort of <laughs> exciting players, like fluff players, really yeah. players that you don't, you know, Ozil, wonderful, but he's not going to dig yeah. you out of a hole in January. Um, I think Wenger had that for years and you know they, they brought in Torriero and they've seen the difference that that can make they're still about five players off doing anything mm. but I think that was a big blind spot yeah. so even Wenger I mean Ferguson had a blind spot I think I think the last five or six years of his time at United centre midfield was often made up of you know Phil Jones would fill in or Jisung Park would fill in and it was like just go and buy one I don't think he bought one <laughs> since Carrick like ten years before but, that but didn't he's wasn't his Champions League winning team but ramshackled as well like Ronnie Johnson yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that's it. the thing I think you look at Ferguson's midfielders and they always were they would have that they'd have Nicky Butt or a Phil Neville or a, and they're great players great don't players. get me wrong yeah. but in terms of breaking up play that then you've got Darren what's his Fletcher. name Fletcher you've got John uh, Cleverly John you've got these yeah, guys yeah. that are just kind of Good athletes, but not necessarily. They're yeah. not, they're not going to pass schools. Yeah. But, yeah, but once Ferguson's first eleven would be superb because their first, you know, f- yeah, choices yeah. of midfielders yeah. still be Keane or Skulls yeah, or whoever. Keen's but goals, but yeah. then after that, it was like, yeah, they had a few pool players they could they could yeah. call upon. But then that is the genius of the guy. Plus, I think the last yeah. five or six years is a bit unfair on him because I think they were probably hamstrung financially. Wouldn't oh. let him bring in players he wanted in the middle of the park. Do you know what was quite funny? I was at. Uh, I was at Peterborough at the weekend and it's it was the home debut for Darren Ferguson back yeah, yeah, yeah. at the club. I think Sir Alex was there. I think he might have been there watching. I'm not going, sure. Did he? Yeah, must have done. Must have heard me in the in the commentary box. Um but that was weird watching that cuz he he had inherited uh, a, a team Ferguson and he's got a very distinct way of playing and these players just can't fit into that format yet and Plymouth no. managed to nick it at the end and he brought in Lee Tomlin but he's got some great players there but just interesting to see a manager that is like no I'm going to play a diamond even though these players aren't yeah <laughs> and he played just... it and I'm just like yeah didn't, and the players didn't quite know what they were doing yet yeah. and so to, to kind of mirror what we're saying about Silver you do need that time and I do think Absolutely. that you know I, I think these they, they'll come out of that and they'll be fine because they're, they're not in a bad position at yeah, all. And but, also that's more of a teething issue. If you're, still, if you're still playing a diamond without the right personnel in six months or a year's time, then you might have a blind spot yeah, in your hands exactly. where someone's just too stubborn. And we've seen, you know, I mean, Sarri had a good result for Chelsea at the weekend, papered over a lot of cracks, I think, though. Mm. He seems to be another... I don't think he's similar to Mourinho in a lot of aspects, but in his stubbornness, he might be up there. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? When we've seen him under a little bit of pressure, how the character comes out and how he isn't afraid of criticising his players in a way that is you wouldn't think is healthy because it hasn't been healthy at that club before no he's got, he's got a very recent history to mm. look on and, and see that it's not a group of players or a club that seems to facilitate players getting hammered from their own boss no. I don't think any player likes being aired out in public I mean what was it like do you ever get that 
ever get hung out yeah, to dry by a manager? Yeah, some of the fun, that best managers were always the ones that would take the hit for you uh, privately, come in and have a go at you, but then would publicly take you. Know, so you're happy to be hammered in the yeah, no, no, hammered in the dressing absolutely. room. No, but they come, they come in to you and yeah, and, and be very open and honest about the performance and what was lacking. But the good managers would take the take the hit for you. But yeah, we had a couple that would just kind of yeah. It was just funny. John Sheridan was a really strange guy. Just kind of didn't. And he would always say to us, he goes, you know, I'm not going to be judged on you lot. You're not my players. You're not my players. And then after the third season, I was going, we kind of are your players. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're Well, the ones that are playing for you are certainly your players. And to be fair, they did well, but it's just this kind of distancing yourself, always finding something to fit your uh, narrative. I remember Russell Slade uh, uh, at Grimsby as well. We had two lads that came off. There's a there's a post-match interview. I might try and link it to this. Um, there's a post-match interview that he does and he just digs out two of our lads that had both come on. We were 2-0 up and cruising at Notts County yeah. and these two lads came on and he has absolutely hammered them. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's like, why well, this French lad called Thomas Pino and he's going, and that French man, that French man's come on and he's let me, he's let us all down. It's a disgrace. Like just got stuck into him. So of course, on the Monday we were all sat in the dressing room crying our eyes out, playing this back to him, even though it was a very serious matter. And they'd been dragged in on the Sunday to do loads of running. But um, but yeah, those moments, thankfully, are few and far between. But uh, but yeah, when a manager's digging out his players, it's uh, probably a a warning sign. Yeah, I think it's the same in any industry, right? If if your your boss is just airing you out to to people, I mean, it's different for football because there is a public. But yeah, correct. But generally, it's just. Uh, yeah, I think it seems to be the golden rule is do what you want in the dressing room, just don't let that get out. And yeah. I don't know why managers can't can't stick to that. Yeah, um, We're going to have a break in a minute. Um, before we do, uh, I've just, while you were talking, then I was a bit distracted because I was getting a phone call coming in, oh, so I've, I've diverted. It. Um, it's actually um, comedian and Grimsby Town fan, Lloyd Griffith, also I've co-host of, of uh, Soccer AM. Um, he's left a voicemail, so we'll, uh, we'll play that and then we'll go to a break. This is the Vodafone voicemail service for... The Whistleblowers... Please leave a message after the tone. When you finish recording, please hang up or press the hash key for more options. Mark? Mark? One second. Hello, mate. Hope you're right. Uh, it's Lloyd here. Um, just wondering if you can get me on the podcast. It's been an absolute dream, ambition of mine to meet Martin Gritton. The guy's an absolute hero, a Grimsby Town hero. Speaking of which, uh, Grimsby Town beat Newport County this weekend. Newport County obviously beat Leicester City, so theoretically, uh, Grimsby Town better than a Premier League team. Anyway, decent week for us. Uh, signed Christian Dennis from Notts County on transfer deadline day. Uh, and also the Notts County chairman uh, popped a a photo of his willy on Twitter and then put the club up for sale. So, I mean, I've had bad weeks in my life, but it's not really um, been up there with that, to be fair. Poor bloke. Uh, forgot to triple captain Aguero. Well, I, I put him as normal captain, thinking he'd get, and he, he absolutely smashed it, didn't he? Um, and I'm just about to go uh, for a bit of therapy. Anyway, give me a shout. I'd love to meet Martin Gritton. He's an absolute hero. But he smells so nice. Oh! The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Well, that was a good break. I enjoyed that break, Martin. Really that break. nice, lovely. Nice lovely. to hear from Lloyd Griffith, though. Sorry we couldn't get him on the show properly. Always good. and You, you know, don't smell as good as he thinks you do. Well, that's your opinion, Mark. You My know. opinion is it's very hot in here. I, yeah. and I think it's not, it's not helping the whole 
Right. Sense of grits. Well, yeah, it's a bit musky. It's a bit thick. All right, in one word, if you had a, an, a, an essence, a fragrance, like, what would it be called? Mm. Oh, that's good. Mm. Mm. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll buy it. Um, you're talking about Kristen Dennis and his thing there. Yeah, he's saying Grimsby. I played with him at uh, Macclesfield. He's absolutely brilliant. Where, where, he's like where, Macclesfield. He he's this youth team player at Macclesfield, and he just he he's a such good finisher and he just when he when he kick it it just stayed hit you know one of those yeah, ones where yeah, yeah. it would the if the, the ball. yeah if there was no net it would just keep yeah. going absolutely brilliant player so, so he you, does you, well at that's a good signing very good signing oh, good man also touched on uh, Notts County there that was a roller coaster of a Wonderful, day for the county yeah. owner what a, what a terrible time to dick be dick pick and then immediately sells the club I know just and, and like a couple of, and the other director going I don't know I've not heard from him from ages I blocked him I blocked him ages ago and there's all these <laughs> yeah. kind of weird little side side stories so, coming so out it's like uh, footballers so wives it's, it's perfect but I mean dick pick and then putting the club up for sale immediately it's like Wenger giving Ozil a 300 grand a week contract and then leaving it's exactly it it's exactly the same as that um, I want to talk grits uh, I watched Derby against Preston on Friday night uh, it was a terrible game, as far as Derby were concerned. It was nil-nil in the end, but we absolutely scraped the nil-nil. However, we did have two uh, good efforts from Harry Wilson, the, the young Liverpool loney, and he hit the post with two shots, two great shots. My point is that they obviously don't count as shots on target. Mm. And it was a lopsided game, and Derby were nowhere near in, in control of the game at any point. But shots hit in the post are not shots on target. I don't think that there is a worse stat than shots on target in the game. I think it makes a mockery of everything the game stands for. What is the point of the shots on target stat? Is it supposed to be an indicator of a team dominating? Or is it an indicator of a team um, cutting open the opposition and creating chances? What is the point of it? It's just something to quantify. It's just something to quantify what one team's doing in the attacking half. As you say, it makes absolutely no bearing on... But people, doesn't necessarily make any bearing. But people bearing. bring it up all the time. And you hear commentators after now, they go, oh, Arsenal have had no shots on target. But it doesn't matter. It does not. Well, that does, don't you think? That's the only time that it probably does matter because if they haven't had a shot. No, no, but no, no. On target is my issue, not shots. Answer me this: what What is a better indicator of a team being successful in their attacking? Is it someone hitting a dribbler to the keeper from forty-five yards that the keeper, as a cup of tea, picks it up and laps it off, or is it someone carving open the team and hitting the post? Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I think. I think they're just picking it because it's one of the stats that they get given in front of them when they're literally... Yes. When you're looking for something to draw upon. But you'll find that they do bring in the other points, as you say, about hitting the crossbar, hitting the bar, keep mm. a save, or one that's gone just flashed over or whatever. But, all right, it is largely redundant, but it's the same way that it kind of tackles and, you know, looking at things that, you know, interceptions, all these kind of statistics. I, I, I yes, but those things, those metrics, I think you can go along the money ball line, right, and really get deep into it and go, well, this guy made this many interceptions, therefore he's probably quite good at anticipating well, that's what you think, what's happening. I, that's what I query them as well, because I'm like, well, what's the actual value in that? Like, I, yeah. I mean, some, some of those are... Good players don't need to tackle. You know, some of them are positionally are just more astute. Maria so. Ferdinand had no dirt on his shorts at any yeah, point because he'd never yeah, go to so, ground. You know, I, I think that, well, I, I'm agreeing with you, Mark, but it is one of those ones where, well, what's the other option? Well, the other option is, I'm pleased you asked. <laughs> uh, they've tried to do this with expected goals, haven't they? With XG, this new stat that came out and it's been, I mean, not controversial, controversial in nerd circles, the likes of which we hang out in. Yes where they try and work out what the expected goal was from any given opportunity. So, you know, an open goal from one yard, you'd count it as, I imagine, one. Yeah. Because you're not going to miss that. Um, but I don't know why, but it's not really caught on. I, I sort of do know why, because it is too nerdy. It's not really 
um, it doesn't seem consistent at all. So you've got like 2.4 expected it's goals. It's like 2.14, but there's like, well, you've had three free headers from two yards out. How, how have you... So what I would propose is uh, just a very simple thing. I know it's going to be subjective because it's, it's always going to be, but something like clear ca- clear chances created, something like that. Okay. That gives you a far better barometer of how a team performs, doesn't it? Well, I'm glad you asked that as well, Mark. So, I, so that fancy football that I do, you know, the American system yes. is broken down. There's BCC, big chance created. Right, that's one let's of have them. that. Yeah, that's it. But there's also BCM, which is a belter as well, big chance missed. So, so you get negative points. You can get negative points for that. So, um, so th- there is an opta... There is an optometric for that. Yes. But, um, so you, yeah. the one, so the fancy. So to go on a tangent here, but the fancy league you play in that is all compiled by Opta. Yes. Yeah, so they draw the Opta stats. So and, it does exist. But you, ha, you, what you do is you tweak it to. You can t- go into the back end and tweak Fine. the points. But yeah. But, but, I, but I would prefer if, I, if I'm watching exists. football either as a, a, a casual fan. I think a much clearer indicator of how the game has gone is big chances created. Yeah. Um, I mean, philosophically, let's get into this. Philosophically. Shot on target. What is the target, Grits? You're an ex-pro. What is the target? <sighs> right, so it's, it, that's not philosophical, is it? That's no, it probably is. physics. Are no, you... I don't think it is. Because <laughs> they say shots on target, and they what they mean by that is the keepers had to make a save, mm. right? Mm. So they think the target for them... Is the target to knock one straight in the middle of the goal, or are you always, 99% of the time, aiming for a corner? Yeah, but again, so, but you're putting too much faith in these stats because ultimately the only stat that counts is the goals. Absolutely. And that's it. So we've got, we got to fill a podcast, Grits. Yeah, it's true, mate. But I can feel the listener dropping off as we... Well, uh, you know what? <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck those guys. <laughs> we don't want them anyway. <laughs> don't want, if you're not into this chat, <laughs> get not, out. If you're not into big chance created Because I would argue that if you hit the post, <laughs> that is closer to your target than it is hitting the keeper. No, you're right. In, in, the, in the middle of the goal. Yeah, well, you don't go out with the mentality to go, oh, I'm just going to get a few shots on target here so it looks as though we're doing all right but, in the yeah, game. But you, yeah, no, of but course you don't. don't. Yeah, so you're right. And it's, it's the ones that flash by the post and you always... You know, put a bit extra on it to try and get it into the corner. Yeah. So you're by the way, willing to miss rather than hit the target. This wouldn't be an issue at all for me if it wasn't brought up so consistently as a, a barometer of how the game is going. And you hear them all the time. They had no shots on target. They had three shots on target, whatever it is. Yesterday, Arsenal game against Man City. Arsenal had no shots on target second half, but also no shots full stop. That is a better barometer. They had no attacks at all. I'd be more interested to see if anyone, if you listen to when people say that, if anyone actually does give a shit and come back and yeah. go, oh, Oh, did they? I've you know, heard people say, I've, I've yes, overheard chats in pubs. Well, yeah, listen, it's a good point. I, I think the whole mentality towards it should be changed, Mark. So let's, you know, let's, let's, let's room 101. Let's park it. Goes. Let's park it for once and then uh, park it for now come and then we'll to come back to it week on week. Straight after Until this. we have it's the show cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to finish off the podcast today by talking about um, cult footballers. I mean, Son at Spurs. Yeah. Uh, he scored yet another... Very important goal for the club. Uh, late on in the game, he seems to be one of those indispensable players at the moment. But not only is he an excellent footballer, but he seems to have this cult status. Um, we can talk about why that might be. Uh, but who are your favourite cult players that you that you have either played with or you have maybe been a cult player at certain clubs? Or, or that you just like watching? It was, it was something like cult. I'm not sure. It was... Uh, <laughs> shouting something. Yeah, shouting something. <laughs> cults, cults. And... Um, there's a player at Celtic, uh, Lubo Moravchik, yes, who is yes. without a doubt my, by uh, far and away my favourite cult player. He signed when he was 33 years old by Dr. Joseph Venglos, who was a Slovakian a manager for us. And right. he brought him from and, Czech But also, Republic. I imagine, a doctor in a horror film. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Um, and he brought him in and it was like, 
Where is he? And he had a decent career up to that point, Lubo, but nothing that, that to write home about. But apparently, if you were up close with him, you were like, oh my God, this guy. He's like Georgie Harris, you basically. Next level. He's unbelievable. Well, when are we talking here? What so this was, this was, so he struck up a partnership with Larson. This would okay. have been, this would have been early 2000s yeah, then. Yeah. But um, he, he was, or maybe in late 90s, he was just irresistible. The best thing about it was, we got this player, when I was playing for Plymouth, we got this fullback on uh, from Dundee United. He came down and the first thing I did was went up to him and went, did you play against Lubo? What's Lubo like? And he went, he's a fucking nightmare. Because the guy has got, he goes both feet are as strong as each other, yeah. but he'll sell you on both. It was like, who was that player? Um, there, was a, there was a winger. Uh, oh, God, I should remember his name. Scunthorpe, Everton, Man City. Used to, Peter Beagree Peter used to be able to chop. He would chop yeah, yeah. back on both, both feet, feet yeah. and like whip it in. And in League Two, that was like, oh, we couldn't get near him. But in the pre- Scottish Premier, and even at international level, Lubo mm-hmm. Moravchik was just, he would take... He would take in swinging corners with both, like from both sides, really on like both feet, both be the same. Cruyff turning in and out, and he and he just was a just a fantastic player. But just to have a thirty-three-year-old check, how, how has he got so far without? Well, he'd done all right. I think he just had a good career, but he was one of those kind of diminutive sort of Georgie Haji style yeah, players. Right. Could just you know would be a cult hero at Saint Etienne where he was playing, or you know played nearly two hundred games for them, or then you know he would never be like you're the you're the star of the show. Right. But in Scotland, perhaps, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so so far we got we got Son and we've got Lubo Morabchek. Yeah. So there's something already a common theme here, which is they're the sort of the outsider. There's yeah, the yeah, exotic correct. foreign player coming in. Does that have much bearing on on the? Uh, cult player because for me when I think of cult player I think of Taribo West at Derby Yeah, I think of Branko Strupar at Derby okay. and I think of Georgie Kinkladze at Derby obviously all, all my all my team players it's the mystique isn't it Absolutely, there's a yeah. bit of mystique at like two guy at, um, two guy at, at Blackburn. Uh, Blackburn and Prozinecki at Portsmouth was oh, apparently so Prozinecki was when they were in the championship yeah. and you'd see him outside and I remember going to watch a couple of games he'd just be outside the team bus just smoking a fag yeah. and he's tracks so he'd just be like you know, and absolutely tearing teams to shreds. Yeah. We're so far ahead of everyone else that was just like, um, uh, there was a brilliant interview in the local paper in Portsmouth talking about Prozanecki and one of the players used to keep shouting, I'm, Robert, Roberto, Robert, whatever, he's, whatever they used to call him on the pitch. And he went up to the player and went, can you just stop shouting? He goes, I know where you are. The ball will come. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to tell me yeah, where yeah. I need to pass the I ball. I played games for Croatia. I played for Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. I, know where, I know where I'm going to put the ball and it will yeah. arrive where you want it. When, on, when on, I want you to have when, it. When I want you to have it. So yeah. yeah, what a player he was. Because I can't think of many sort of British-born cult players. Well, Gaza. So Gaza going yeah, to Lazio. I, mean, so I was yeah. going to say, sort of playing now or very recently. Absolutely, Gaza. But there's not... There's one thing... You become an outstanding player if you score important goals and you yeah. become important. But a cult thing is is reserved for very few people, really. And this is why I think United are having such success at the moment because they brought in someone who isn't just an old United player, but he's genuinely a cult hero. And it's not just because of the the, the goal in the Champions League final. Um, it's before that he was scoring yeah. loads of goals for the club. He was he was a real favourite at, at, amongst the fan base, yeah. and now he's the manager. And we had the interview with uh, Paul Lynch yesterday, where he was saying, "Well, if he brought in me or Mark Hughes or Steve Bruce, the same thing would have happened." <laughs> I mean, maybe it would, but they're not cult favourites. And I think this, I think we overlook how important it is to have a relationship with the fans like this. I think that's an excellent point. I think then the other thing, because he's got this, he's got this childish sort of 
eagerness about him when he does the interviews he goes we're Man United and he says it in this earnest way that if it was coming from Ince it would just be arrogant yeah, absolutely. but it's Solskjaer going we're Man United we go out and we expect to yeah. have a chance of winning every game we're Man United we go out to win the league and you go alright mate you're, you're Man United we get it but he says it in a way that's quite it's almost this kind of it's, it's nostalgia for the fans absolutely. but also it's his security blanket because he's not taking any credit for any of this absolutely a steadfast belief in it you know he believes it I think Solskjaer when he first went there was like a kid who'd got the golden ticket and was looking around the factory and now he's Willy Wonka he <laughs> yeah. is he owns the factory he's Charlie Bucket he's Charlie he won Bucket. it yeah ever like it put his ever like asked oh, easy for you to say yeah thanks mate do we try again no nah, you're right okay good uh, that was the whistleblowers podcast uh, thanks for listening um, until next week I guess uh, goodbye yeah The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.